Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Friday, May the 31st, I'm your host, D.A. Game one of the NBA Finals in the books, and it goes to the Toronto Raptors, who looked square into the Warriors' eyes and took them to task over 48 minutes. The Raptors, with a complete victory, held on to a lead and closed out at home in game number one. Now, we had heard so many people say, well, the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. Apparently not. This is the first time they lost this postseason without KD, but you have to imagine that the game would have been different had Kevin Durant played. So what do you think about Kevin Durant's headspace right now? And will we see Durant to the finals? Let's start with Boomer and Geo on WFAN in New York as Jerry Recco filled in for Boomer Esiason. He's not going to play in game two. Yeah, and Steve Kerr said something that is really telling. He goes, you know, the guy hasn't practiced yet. Right. So if you don't see him practice, then he's not going to play. So we, I, I, I just don't think we're going to see Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals. You might not. I, you know what was interesting? Uh, and I guess I just missed this. I knew it was a calf injury. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really for me until yesterday that I read like he tore the calf muscle. Well, yeah, I think that any like a strain of that yeah, grade is an assumption or whatever. I suppose, but I never saw it written like that. When yeah. you, when you, every time you see a strain, you just assume it's a. It's a small little tear that's going to repair itself in due time. When you're a torn, yeah. you start to worry. Right, what degree is it torn then? Right. Because if he's not on the court and he's not practicing, maybe it's a lot more severe than we ever thought it was. Yeah. Well, clearly, I mean, the fact that he's not even practicing, we're we're now heading into Game Two of the NBA Finals, and it doesn't seem like he's anywhere near ready to play. I mean, that's a that that's a big deal. It's just, but now you know th- this is something that we always fall into this trap when we talk about these things. Is oh, Kevin Durant's going to come back? Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? You know, if Kevin Durant comes back, who says that it's just Kevin Durant all over again? I mean, this is a guy who's dealing with his injury. People, you know, reading all the the reports about him walking around the court, he's still limping. You're telling me that Kevin Durant's going to be the same guy that he was prior to this injury? All of a sudden, snap of a finger in the NBA Finals? I mean, he he might be a total non factor he might go out there and you know play a couple of minutes in the game and then be right back on the bench because he can't keep up at this level because of conditioning, the pain, whatever it is. So, you know, at this point, the Kevin Durant that was at the top of the NBA that was being talked about as the best player in basketball prior to this injury, we're definitely not seeing that guy. We might not see any version of Kevin Durant. We're definitely not seeing that guy. If the Warriors are going to win, they're going to have to win with the core that won prior to Kevin Durant being there because I just don't see him. It would be a shocker to me if he came back and was elite at any point in this series. Crazy, crazy thought, but why not? We've thrown it out there before. Let's say the Warriors don't play well. 
Mm-hmm. Let's say they don't win this series. And I mean they lose the series in five or six games. Mm-hmm. And Durant doesn't play. Yeah. Is all of a sudden the idea we can't let him go anywhere? Uh, you know, I did. I thought about this because remember, the whole recruitment of Kevin Durant apparently started in the parking lot after game seven of the finals that they lost. And Draymond Green texted him or called him right after that and said, we need you, right? And that was the last time that the Warriors were vulnerable. That was the last time that they had lost. That was the last time they were invinci- that they weren't invincible. So if that happens again, does that same thought process creep up? Like, we can't be the dynasty we want to be without you as much as we thought that we could. Especially not knowing what Clay Thompson's going to do. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really do believe that. Well, if Durant stays, there is a chance that I think Thompson goes. Agreed. But... If he if Durant goes, I can't see there's any shot of Clay Thompson leaving. I'm with Golden you on State. that. I think it's very possible, though, it could be one or the other. And right. you just wonder if they didn't play well in this series, does everything change? Yeah, I always thought that if the Warriors won another title easily and Durant was healthy, that it would make it harder for him to leave that situation. Because there was another way that he could have shed that whole you jumped on the bandwagon thing, and that would be to keep winning over and over and over again, right? Because he's already got two and two NBA Finals MVPs. You know, then you add a third one, a fourth one, a fifth one. Then all of a sudden, you're not jumping on the bandwagon. You are the wagon at that point, right? So I I thought that there was a better chance that he stayed in that situation. This one was, nobody ever thought about this. No, and we're long ways away, and it's it's a long shot. But you throw it out there because all of a sudden it's very real. And, you know, with the way Toronto played last night, stranger things have happened. Sure. And it's just been this foregone conclusion, not by Nick fans, but by, I think, a lot of NBA people. I think Nick fans are still, you know, probably in disbelief that he would come here. But I do believe most NBA people think Durant's going to end up in New York in some way, shape, or form. And all of a sudden, that's a scenario you start to wonder, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that you know Kevin Durant's a guy too that every this guy wrote this book about Kevin Durant, the KD and his pursuit yes. of greatness, Marcus Thompson. He's been on every radio show imaginable. I think he's been on a couple of shows here. He's been all over national radio. Every time I turn on a sports talk show, this Marcus Thompson is on. And he says the same stuff just about every time. You know, he's out there pumping his book, good for him. But one of the things that he always falls back on is that Kevin Durant is swayed like he to think that Kevin Durant knows what he's doing this morning in free agency is a farce. Let alone in July. Right. Right. And, and anything can sway him. So you know, when you bring up these scenarios about, okay, what if the Warriors lose? What if they win? What if he comes back and plays well? What if he doesn't come back at all? These are all factors in his decision. I mean, so just because there's been some smoke there with Durant and the Knicks and his agent is New York based and all these things that we have talked about that make you think that that's a real possibility – Something could happen in the last in the next week that solidifies his mindset as to what he wants to do. It's a it's a real real possibility. But I mean, we're all just going to speculate because he's apparently a guy that's just he vacillates constantly on him and his legacy and what he wants to do and all of this stuff. And you, know? you got and you got them moving into a new building next year. Like there's a lot going on out there, and there has been for years now. Yeah, but it, the, it's an interesting concept when you think going forward where he's going to end up and what this team will be next year and who gets Kevin Durant. I mean, it's just weird. Him not playing has really thrown a monkey wrench into all this, I think. Yeah, I mean, if they had gone and swept the Raptors, and they could still win the next four and be really impressive. I mean, that, I, that I, to me, out, gone. Yeah, See he's ya. gone. 
I I think, yeah, I think in that scenario, had they taken Toronto in four straight and he hadn't played in all these games, gone. Well, I mean, I still think they could win four straight now after after dropping game one. I still think that that could happen. I've got to think KD privately has at least a little bit of satisfaction knowing that the Warriors couldn't roll through everybody without him, including the NBA Finals. I know he would never say that. I know that you want to be there for your teammates and be in it to win it, and and you want to say all the right things. But let's be honest. I mean, with all of the criticism KD has clearly been sensitive to, I'm sure he thinks about this team being able to just roll through every opponent in the NBA playoffs, even without him. So I think after last night's loss, you have to imagine KD at least has a little bit of satisfaction knowing, hey, yeah, I am important to what they're doing. The flip side is Kawhi Leonard is on a remarkable postseason tear, and now his team has a 1-0 series lead in the finals. What to make of this historic Kawhi Leonard run? Well, here is former NBA general manager Billy King, who joined Angelo Cataldi on WIP in Philadelphia. Billy, could you tell me what you're seeing as you watch Kawhi Leonard in these, uh, in these playoffs? Well, you know, he's, he's the player that nobody really got to see in San Antonio because uh, he was down there and he was playing within their system and playing pretty well. I mean, but he was one of the top five players in the league, you know, before he got hurt. And just nobody ever talked about him, and he didn't talk about himself when he was on social media bragging about himself. Mm-hmm. But he is – the thing I like about him besides the scoring is if, if there's a big rebound, he gets it. If there's yeah. a big loose ball, he gets it. If you need a defensive stop, it's, it, you know, if you need a big shot, it reminds me a lot, and I'm not going to say he's Michael Jordan-like, but it reminds me of, like that in the sense that whatever play is needed, he's going to make the play. And I think he's the best player on the floor. I think he's been the best player on the floor in every series, and that's why his team's been winning. All right, so here's what we're doing here now, Billy. This is where it gets interesting, and you've been in this position many times. He's an unrestricted free agent after the playoffs. And everybody that I'm hearing is conceding him to the Clippers because he could go home to L.A. If you're the GM of a different team, he would be such a huge difference maker if he were on the Sixers. How do you approach that? Do you go in with the defeatist thing or do you say, man, I'm going all out? Because if I got him, man, I got this thing. Well, you, you, you owe it to yourself. You have to make the call because what you don't want to do is not make the call and say, you know, Geez, I wish the Sixers would have called me. I wish this team, you know, they had a call. So you you have to make the call. And be honest, you know, unfortunately in the NBA, they do have rules. You're not supposed to have contact before July one. But everybody's been making contact with uncles and family and everything before that. So, um, so uh, there's been a lot of informal contact made to him already. And so, um, if you're one of those teams, you're free agent. You know, you've had to have your feelers out there to make sure to see if you had a shot, uh, if you can get a meeting, uh, because. You know, he's a guy that changes your team. I mean, you look at the Raptors when they had DeRozan. They were a very good team. Now they're an elite team, as you see, because the, they're in the NBA Finals of one game one. Billy, I'm watching that game last night, and you've got the biggest problem. Golden State had not lost a game one in four, like, four straight years of the NBA Finals, but they don't have home court advantage this time. What has always bothered me about the 2001 Finals is you guys didn't get home court advantage because Larry decided to rest AI and Dikembe in the last game. And you go out to L.A. and split. Do you ever think about that? Because I think starting at home in front of that home crowd would have made all the difference for oh, you yeah. guys back then. Yeah, I, th- I think about that all the time. Yeah. And, you know, you don't mean when those decisions made rest guys, you don't think, but it does come into play. And it, it did when I was in Brooklyn. We, we, towards the end, we rested guys. If we won one game, 
instead of playing Miami in the second round, we had to play Indiana. And wow. so, yeah, but no, they, I think about that, you know, to start at home would have been great. And then to go out there for those other three, that's when it was two, three, two. Yeah. I mean, trust me, I think about it okay. all the time. And so, um, and you know, but at the end you're trying to, was it load management? I guess yeah. man, it was just a load, <laughs> load management. That's not what they called it back then. <laughs> they I had a different name for it, Billy. <laughs> yeah. If the Raptors somehow do this, if he pulls off this championship, let's be honest, there's no way that everybody in Toronto can let him leave. I mean, how would he ever be allowed to leave the city limits? Also, what type of podium, what type of elevation would you put him on historically if Kawhi Leonard just goes into cyborg mode and destroys everybody in the NBA playoffs and ends up with an MVP award from the NBA Finals and a ring and a championship for a city that had never even been to the Finals before. Man, that is some next-level stuff. In Milwaukee, they're wondering, do we root against the Raptors because they just eliminated our Bucks, or do we root for them so that we lost to the eventual NBA Finals champions? It's never an easy situation once you get so close but then have to watch the championship game from your home. So here's Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee debating. You you look at this series, all the credit in the world to Toronto, and there's two, I think, schools of thought. One is, well, if your team loses, you want to see that team that beat you win because it shows you how close you were. Like if the if the Raptors sweep, let's say sweep, or even win, let's just say mm-hmm. win, this finals as a Bucks fan, you'll be able to say, "Man, look, we are that close. We are that good. We we were we could we were two games up on the team that won the NBA Finals. We can run this thing back. And if Kawhi leaves or whatever, or even if they keep the same team, we can get right there and beat these guys. We're that good. I always like to see, and I've always been this way. And it it really the most intense I root for sports actually is this now for whatever reason." I'm rooting harder against Toronto than I did root for the Bucks last season uh, last week. I when when a team beats my team, wait 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 wait, wait. Yeah. You, 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 care, yeah. you care more about Toronto losing than the Bucks winning last week? Uh, yeah, oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I know, I know it, and it feels wrong. No, but I, I mean, this is I this is the how I felt. This is just how I feel. It's how I felt against the Dodgers and the Red Sox. I wanted them to lose so bad. When the Packers lose, I just I need. I need those teams to lose. I needed the Giants to lose those Super Bowls. They did not. It really hurt. I needed Seattle to lose that Super Bowl. I need those teams because when my team loses, Bucks, Brewers, Packers, I feel just an incredible amount of pain and despair about as much as you can, keeping it in perspective, about as much as you can with sports. So I need to see the team that felt joy off my pain I need to see their fans feel pain. And when I see Toronto and Canada going crazy as if they just gained their independence last night, I don't know what's going on up there. I need to see them feel the same amount of pain that I felt and I'm still feeling about the Bucks. And it seems ridiculous. And if you, if I put that on paper, it's like Bart wants Toronto to lose the finals more than he wanted even I can't even finish the sentence. It sounds so stupid. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that I'm just telling you how I feel. But see, but see, the 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 Raptors losing this series doesn't doesn't help the Bucks at all. Doesn't do anything to the Bucks. And even when I hear guys like George Hill say, 
I, you know, he's asked, "Are you going to watch the finals?" He says, "I don't care. Why, why, why would I care? I don't care who wins. Doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out fishing or golfing or whatever I do." When I hear even players talk about not even caring about the finals, and it's like, oh, the, you know, why should you care so much? If even George Hill, who you know was an integral part of this team, didn't even care, you know, the Raptors. I, I didn't hear any of those players say, "Wow, geez, I hope the Raptors get beat and all that." And under those scenarios you're talking about, so yeah, all that I don't care because if the Raptors lose, still not going to help the Bucks. Bucks still fell in six games to those guys. You know, win or lose, I don't look back. I don't. It doesn't matter. You know, okay, now the Dodgers losing to Boston. I mean, does does that make you any feel any better about the Brewers losing in seven to those guys? Yeah. Yeah. See, now I don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. That doesn't. Oh, I know it prevented the Brewers from getting to the World Series, but you know the Dodgers ending up ending up losing. It the team, those teams that beat my teams, it causes yeah. me so much pain. Yeah, see, it, it, I need them to feel pain. See them in the next round, it doesn't do it to me. Like I need is, their fans to feel pain. <laughs> see, it, I didn't. I mean, I, now if Toronto lost. I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine with it. But it's like if they won, I don't think. Oh God, man. Well, the, you know, they they beat the Bucks, so they beat. You can look at it too. Hey, they beat the Bucks. If Toronto wins this series, uh, in four or five games, you could say, hey, you know what? Um, on your way of thinking, well, the Bucs, if they could have just won two more games, if Golden State was going to lay down like that, the Bucs could have been NBA champs. I got to delete this tweet probably. I said, I suffer from prisoner of the moment syndrome quite a bit uh, because as of this moment, I'd rather see the Cubs win the World Series and the Vikings win the Super Bowl than I would see the Raptors oh, win the finals. Now you're, getting, now you're getting a little too overdramatic there. Well, tis better fans than I if you can root for the Toronto Raptors so that you lost to the eventual champion. I just have too much bitterness in me when my team loses to ever root for the team that beat me. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I've heard that line of thinking before. I'm sorry. I'm just not one of those people. I want the team that beat me to die a terrible death on the field, of course. And now, as always, your mandatory Drake update. Last night, game number one, I suppose Drake was kind of on his better behavior, but still at the end of the game got into a jawing match with Draymond Green. Just how annoying is Drake, and how much of a role is he actually going to play in the middle of an NBA Finals? Here's the Joe Rose Show on WQAM in Miami. He told Draymond that the that the Golden State Warriors were trash, and so everybody will have that today. And I'd be careful. Steph Curry though walks the team by. Is trash. No, but Steph Curry walks by and he's laughing. Of course, Steph Curry literally was walking next to Draymond and was you see a big smile on his face because he heard the comment. And Draymond's about you know he's like I don't let anything go, and uh, I just wouldn't mess with Draymond's not the kind of guy because Draymond's the kind of guy to throw a punch. Like he'll get. I don't think no, so. Yeah, I mean, what are you nuts? No, like if if did he Dra- punch Drake in the face? Yeah, at a yeah. finals game on yes. the court. I yes. don't think so. Either. I think he would. I think if Drake got to him good enough. We've no, never, we never seen signs of that though. What do you he mean? Just likes to get in your face. Draymond's yeah, nuts. Draymond's is like a scrappy guy. He's never like punched him in the no, face. No, I think I think Drake could get to him. I honestly do think Drake can get to him if they go. Seven you mean games. off season when they're hanging out together at parties? <laughs> no, they're going to hang out at parties regardless because <laughs> Draymond does guy. that. Because you punch a guy, it's over the top, man. I think it takes a bad turn for Drake here because if they, you know, look, if the series changes and the Warriors end up, you know, winning the next four games or they win oh, four out of the next five sure. or something like that. Bad news for you guys, man. Trash look like talking. It'll look bad. Trash talking is such a part of the culture. I mean, everywhere I go, man, I go to high school games and the kids are getting lathered up before 
Central and Booker T kids, man, they got to literally the grownups are in between the coaches and, and they're going back and forth. I'm going, man, this is some of the best stuff I've ever heard, you know? Like they know what everybody's doing and it's just it's a time we live with. It is the few, time we live. You know, social more, media world. More trash live. talking and everybody gets it and everybody likes it. And, uh, and look, Drake was wearing a Del Curry jersey. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he, he did it to start off with. Shows up in wasn't a Del Curry jersey. Down, that, wasn't that kind of down the middle just by the fact <laughs> he had Curry's kid or Curry's dad's jersey on? It was just. Well, he put on his Instagram his Instagram picture last week or the week before was the picture of the, the, Bucks, daughter's own, uh, the Bucks owner's daughter. Like, she was his cover page. Yeah. She was having fun with it. No, too, I, I think it's like Drake's fully getting involved in all this. And obviously, the farther they go and they've gotten to the finals now, the more he's going to be a part of it. Drake's a genius, man. Yeah. He's about, let me see, how can I tie this in with the music that every time they bring it up, they're going to be playing guys like Hollywood will be playing his music coming back. Oh, oh, oh that's Drake. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's Drake. Oh, I like that song. I mean, he sold out the AAA on back to back nights. He doesn't need any help. No, that's true. No, I get it. He doesn't need much. I get it. Sit here and... Uh, I'm not even a fan of the guy. Like, I don't like his music, but I, I think it's fun that it adds that kind of extra yeah, element to whatever, the game. Hey, it's not listen, bad. It's become part of... Uh, as long as he's not on the court, like, rubbing the coach's shoulders. Yeah, no massage. a little bit too much. Yeah. No well, massages. I think he... Uh, he definitely... Got he got the, a talking to, right? Because he, he changed he last night. He got the NBA message nah. from the, the commissioner through the organization, like, hey, we love you. Don't want you to go anywhere, but can you just tone it down a little bit? Stay in that great seat. Stay in that $10,000 floor seat you have for the playoffs, but but uh, just just be real careful. Just, By the way, don't um, be stupid. Oh, God, there's nothing worse than Drake. Oh, there's just nothing worse. Sit down, cheer, boo, what have you, but don't insert yourself into the middle of the game. You're not playing. You're not coaching. You're not part of the team as much as you think you are. You're just an entitled celebrity jock sniffer. That's it. That's all you are. You know what? And understand that because you don't need to be jawing with one of the players on the teams because you're not actually playing and you can't really back it up. And if the Toronto Raptors give up 130 points. You're not out on the floor. And if the Toronto Raptors drop 15 three-pointers, you're not actually out on the floor. And you have nothing to do with this. So please go away. In Cleveland, it's football season because the Indians are so bad, which means all attention on Odell Beckham, who is missing workouts. Now, they're voluntary workouts. So is this a big deal? The guys on the Ken Carmen show don't think so. This is 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. And I got people who are upset. Okay. Not fine. many. I mean, most Browns fans don't care. I, I'll, I'll admit, I know. I know we bring it up. Most Browns fans don't care about the little things. But I'm telling you, you could never be a head coach in the NFL if you just said nothing matters. If you just say, oh, Johnny Manziel's partying every every weekend before the season starts. Ah, it's no big deal. If well, you he, could never if, be a head coach. He is you could never be a head coach in the NFL. If he is doing something that is, again, and you're, again, you're bringing up a quarterback, not a wide receiver. Sure. But if he is doing something that really is going to hurt himself in the long run, and Johnny was doing that, and something that obviously hurts the team, then there's a problem there. And I told you, and I admitted to you before, if this happens next week when there's mandatory in front of what the activity is, then I'm with you. I'll take the gloves off, and away we go on this. But I think most. But when you put I, voluntary I in front of it, I don't think most Browns fans will even care. Then I think most Browns fans say, "Show up the day before the season starts." To these, oh, that's because they're that's not a there. Possibility. They're not that's in the locker room. They don't know about team dynamics. That's absolutely. They don't know about a chemistry. Can't fight you on that. I, mean, I, I I think most Browns fans are like, "We got Odell Beckham, talent. Who cares?" But I, I got plenty of people who who 
They say they understand. I don't think they do. To a lot of these guys, you know what? They want to win a Super Bowl. Odell Beckham Jr., I think, wants to win a Super Bowl. I really think he does. I think Baker does. I think that Miles Garrett does. I think they actually want to do something. But you know what? It's also a job to them. And you want to be able to be better in your job. You want to have a promotion. You want to move your way up. You want the American dream. But you know what it also is to you? It's a job. And if you think that there's something you don't want to do, you ain't going to do it. So what do you think? And if he doesn't want to do voluntary workouts, which it's marked voluntary, he ain't going to do it. Now, That's the word of the day for me, buddy. Now, so get ready to hear it many okay. times. Now, how many? How often has Miles Garrett been there? I'm genuinely asking. To, I think he's either been to most or all. So do you think Odell looks at him and says, what an idiot? Why is he going to no, all that stuff? No. His well, decision is his decision. No, but they, these come on. These guys, they're just I'm like us. i giving you the answer. Kenny, wait a second. If If... Today, at the golf outing, when Kenny Kidd's not there, you don't think anyone's going to be going, why isn't Kenny Kidd here? Oh, some of our fans. You don't think people talk? You don't think people talk all the time and think about these things? I didn't do mean I, to drag Kenny do, Kidd into Do this. I have to answer I'm just saying, for Kenny? Every, no, it's have, an example. Have they in the past seven years? Yes, I have every they, There actually have been. Where, where's Kenny? But and I say, oh, he's at home. In every workplace... Every guy's wondering about what the other guy's doing. Don't act like it's just this insulated environment and, oh, everybody's uh, up to their own. Dude, guys talk about this stuff every day. It's gossip. It's workplace gossip. Sure. So I honestly enough. think more people would be like, why is he why here is he if he I showed up? That's true. What the hell? I, I think Coming to a saying, workplace function? No, what you're saying is, pro- is probably true. So you don't think Miles Garrett and or Odell Beckham are wondering why the other person is doing what they're doing? You don't think it I don't think it's the mind? other way around. I think it, when you mentioned Miles, I bet it could be that way with Miles. I bet Miles could be wondering why you're in there. But when it comes to Odell, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. cares that Miles Garrett is at camp. Because if you're wondering whether Miles Garrett's there, Miles Garrett's the number one overall and is seen as a cornerstone of the franchise. Baker Mayfield he ain't then, making the money. You would Odell ask the same is. type of thing. He's not making Eventually, the money. Odell he's supposed to right not right now. Not off the field, obviously, but when it comes to the contract, he's supposed to. But when you're asking about Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett's a cornerstone and a number one piece of the franchise. Miles Garrett considers himself a leader. You don't think Baker Odell Mayfield, Beckham's a cornerstone right now? Baker Mayfield is, uh, let me answer this, Baker Mayfield's obviously the face of the franchise and the cornerstone of the franchise. Odell Beckham Jr., no matter what you want to admit, and I know that everybody wants to blow this out of proportion, he is a wide receiver. I am not. If I'm asking for leadership out of a wide receiver, it's either Larry Fitzgerald, who's a one-in-a-million guy, or I'm looking in the wrong place. Calvin Johnson. There's not a lot of them, though. You're right. I mean, look, it's still voluntary, so you can't kill Odell too much. But if Freddie Kitchens is saying he's missed the offense and he wants him there, and you already kind of hear from the coaching staff this lamenting that Odell is not around, yeah, then I think it becomes a problem. And I don't think they would be saying that unless they knew it was somewhat of a problem. This is your new crown jewel of the offense. And he doesn't know the offense. He doesn't know the quarterback. He doesn't know his role yet. And he's just kind of assuming that he's going to show up and and tear the cover off. And that's not necessarily how it works. I would like to see Odell Beckham there. It's a much bigger deal if he's missing involuntary workouts, like they were saying. But still, this is not a great look for Odell and the Browns. And finally, it's the middle of baseball season. And yet, here we are talking about the NBA Finals and football offseason workouts. Unfortunately, stats say that baseball attendance has dwindled, or at least has lessened. They've lost attendance over the last four years. So, how much of a concern is this? Here's MLB Network's Harold Reynolds on Gwyn and Chris on 97.3 The Game in San Diego. Is this something that baseball needs to worry about? I mean, four straight years, I know that percentage is small, but uh, you want to see the game growing, not going the opposite way. 
Well, I think he's already well aware of that. And I think because of all the conversation you've heard about pace of game, yeah. um, I, I think we should have been phrasing it maybe a little bit different, not mm. pace of game, but ball and play. Yeah, yeah. You know, and with the, with the strikeouts and walks that are occurring in baseball, you know, we're going sometimes four minutes without a ball being in play. And that is just way too long. And so uh, hopefully players start hitting the ball a little bit more, a little more aggressive. It's just a different style of game where guys want to get deep in counts and they want to, they're not worried about striking out. And as a result, the game is slowed down. There's not guys going first to third. Stolen bases are down. There's no action, and, and it's just home runs and strikeouts. And that makes it uh, very tough to watch and to keep somebody's attention. So uh, that might be why we're seeing a little bit of attendance decline. Harold, let me follow up on that. I mean, you will have some some GMs and, and you know guys who are running organizations tell you that – those things that are, are exciting to watch, having the ball in play, stolen bases, guys going for first or third, doesn't help win championships. What do you say to that? Well, I think you got to look at the last few winners, and it has. Yeah. When you look at the Astros, they, they, had, they, were, they led the league in strikeouts. They changed their, their style, and all of a sudden they're in two World Series. Right. Uh, you look at the Red Sox, you know, Joey Corey, you can't hit under 300. You can't hit 200 and be on our team and win. And they're putting the ball in play, hitting runs, doing everything else. They win a World Series. You look at the Kansas City Royals. We're going to out steal bags. We're going to put pressure on the defense. They win a World Series. So uh, there is some there, there, teams that have won have been able to do that. And I'm talking about recently in yeah. the last four or five years. Excellent stuff, as always, from Harold Reynolds, MLB Network. I had to ask you about the MLB Network real quick. We always talk baseball, but you've been there for – I don't know how long now? I mean, because I remember when this all started. Eleventh year. Eleven years, wow. yeah. And I remember when it started. I mean, there probably was some question in your mind, everybody's mind. Are we ready for an MLB network and baseball all the time? And I just love how the whole thing is developed and what you guys put together and 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 the shows that are on and the highlights and the analysis and quick pitch. I never miss quick pitch, by the way, every single night. Tell the young ladies they do an unbelievable job narrating those highlights. But I, I, has the MLB network been a pleasant surprise for you in the 10 years you've been there? Oh, I think it's been fantastic. Yeah. You know, beyond what – anybody could imagine um, oh. here and, and, oh. and watch. You know, it's changed everything. I'm getting a weather alert on my phone, so apologize. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's you, okay. You, you cut out on us for a second. Our weather has been ridiculous out here. We had tornado warnings the other night. I think that's definitely an issue, but as Harold says, the biggest issue is actually pace of play because if pace of play or ball in play is better, that means the fans will come out. It's Still early in the season, and once schools get out across the country, plenty more families and weather getting much, much better, they're going to be out there. And I think baseball is always going to have a draw on families and kids and people that want to socialize and walk around, have a beer and a hot dog. But what they have to do is make sure that the product, when those people get to the ballpark, is exciting so that there's balls in play and things to actually cheer about. That's the best of your sports talk for Friday. When we come back on Monday, game two of the NBA Finals. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.